Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Monday, February 6th, and this is The Gateway. Hello, I'm Rod Milam, sitting in for Wayne Pratt. Coming up later on in the podcast, we'll talk about how a year ago the United States started requiring that genetically modified foods be labeled, but some critics suggest that those labels are small and they're also confusing. It should be labeled more clearly, so it's very easy for consumers to understand. Do labels on genetically modified foods get noticed, or do they make a difference in what consumers buy? We'll answer that question in a bit later on in the podcast, but first, the news headlines. As recreational marijuana sales ramp up in Missouri, cities around the St. Louis region are hoping to reap the financial benefits. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more on upcoming votes to impose local taxes on cannabis sales. A 2022 ballot measure allowed local governments to apply a 3% tax on recreational marijuana sales. But before that tax can go into effect, residents of a city or county must approve a ballot measure. Ferguson is one of 35 St. Louis County cities with a marijuana tax ballot item. Ferguson Mayor Ella Jones says putting it before voters was a no-brainer, especially since the city can use the money however it sees fit. And we will be able to use it to improve our streets. Local leaders expect each dispensary will provide more than $100,000 a year in taxes. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Business leaders across St. Louis have large goals to reshape the metro area's economy by the end of the decade. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports part of that includes a focus on the region's many historic downtowns and neighborhood business districts. These efforts aren't as flashy as securing an investment from a major company, but regional business leaders say they're equally as important. Jason Hall is the CEO of Greater St. Louis Inc., which recently held a roundtable with local business owners in St. Charles. He says that community's historic Main Street is one of the most successful in the region. What's the formula? What's the right mix? And you do see that. You've got residential embedded with small businesses, and then even within the small businesses, it's retailers, it's restaurants, it's technology firms, it's marketing firms. Hall says there are many lessons from St. Charles that can help similar districts across the metro area. He says that will help the entire St. Louis region become more competitive. In St. Charles, I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. Gas prices in St. Louis fell about a nickel a gallon over the past week. Website Gas Buddy's survey of prices show an average of $3.16 a gallon, which is 13 cents higher than a month ago and slightly lower than a year ago. Prices are slightly higher in the Rolla area at $3.19 a gallon and in the Hannibal-Quincy region, prices are averaging $3.55 a gallon on the Illinois side of the river and $3.20 on the Missouri side. Inmate at St. Louis County Jail with a high school diploma can now take college classes toward an associate's degree. St. Louis Community College is offering the eight-week courses. One student says they're rigorous, but it helps him stay motivated. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. So we're going to analyze this document. Jamie Christie is teaching History 101 to eight inmates in a classroom at St. Louis County Jail. The history professor is showing students how to analyze a historical document on a television screen. This is their third week of class. They also are taking a reading course. If the students pass the two classes, they will earn six college credit hours. 
44-year-old James Holmes is in the class because he wants to be a role model for his son. Listen, even if you're not going to get a job, it's something that you pass on to your kids. Your knowledge is power. Holmes says he wants to become a lawyer and the program could help him achieve his goal. Remember, February 17th is our due date. So I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Mountain lion sightings are increasing in the state of Missouri, but experts don't believe the animals are yet making this state their home. The Missouri Department of Conservation says mountain lions traveling here from western states reflects a healthy Missouri environment. Conservation Department biologist Nate Bowersock encourages anyone who spots a visiting mountain lion to report it. The more places we can assess where their sightings occurring, it could better prepare us for if we do eventually have a, a uh, established population. In January alone, there were four mountain lion sightings in Missouri. Usually, there are five to ten for an entire year. While the next time you go to your kitchen, check the labels on your food. You might find a small statement or symbol that says bioengineered. A year ago, the United States began to mandate that food manufacturers, importers, and retailers make that disclosure if a food or substantial ingredient has been genetically modified. Harvest Public Media's Kate Pikus looks at what, if any, impact that's had. It doesn't take long to find a food or a food product with some mention of bioengineering on it. For example, here in my freezer, I have these soy-based chicken patties. And on the back of the packaging, there's a small circle symbol that says bioengineered. Before the mandate went into effect, the U.S. Department of Agriculture did a presentation explaining the standard's purpose. We can increase transparency in our food system and give consumers information about the bioengineered status of their foods. The USDA's national standard for labeling bioengineered foods came about in response to states passing or proposing their own legislation. It was meant to avoid a patchwork of regulations. It covers 13 crops and foods that are GMOs. That's genetically modified organisms that have had their DNA altered in a lab to give them certain traits. Take note of four crops on the list corn, canola, soybeans, and sugar beets. Most of those crops in the U.S. are genetically modified, says William Hallman with Rutgers University's Department of Human Ecology. We make so many ingredients out of those particular crops. Much of what Americans eat has an ingredient from a GMO crop, like foods that have high fructose corn syrup. But Holman says this is where the regulations get tricky, because not all those bioengineered ingredients have detectable genetic material, meaning they don't fall under the USDA standard. It complicates things immensely. The question is, so what is the law intended to do? The law is intended to disclose and make transparent to consumers you know, what it is that they are eating. Critics like the Center for Food Safety and some grocery stores and food advocacy groups challenged the USDA in court over the exclusion of many products from the standard. A federal court largely upheld it. Natural Grocers was one of the parties that sued. The Colorado-based retail chain sells organic produce. Natural Grocers' Alan Lewis says the bioengineered labeling is too narrow and was designed to confuse people by using the term bioengineered instead of GMO. A shopper that cares about non-GMO and protecting planet, environment, and, and their family's health isn't using that as a source of reliable, consistent information. 
the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has concluded GMOs are safe to eat. For consumers, it's difficult to know if they're aware of the disclosure standard. Brian Ronholm is the director of food policy for Consumer Reports. He says people care about GMOs, but the USDA standard uses the term bioengineered and only requires a statement in small print or a small symbol. It should be labeled more clearly so it's very easy for consumers to understand. Would the wording or size of the labeling make any difference? Erin Adalja is one of the co-authors of a Cornell University study on a now-defunct GMO labeling law in Vermont. He says the discussions during the legislative process influenced consumer habits more than the actual labeling. And, he says, that's likely the case with the national standard, too. We don't expect there to be a big blip in, you know, a big drop in GMO demand or a big change in demand. Ultimately, it's up to consumers to read the fine print and make their own choices about what foods they eat. I'm Katie Pikus, Harvest Public Media. And Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis Public Radio is a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music for the Gateway is by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Rod Milam. Have a great day. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.